Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. You're having a great holiday season. We are currently on a little bit of a hiatus for the holidays for the end of the year. And so you'll hear this week and next week a little bit of repeats of some of our most popular episodes. And then starting in the new year, we will officially be back with fresh new episodes, fresh new content. But we hope that this gives you a little bit of a of a refresher for the last end of the year. Gives you some... some... Yeah, this episode's with Brooke Bove. Mm-hmm. She is a colleague of ours, and um, she is a single mom who is also an attorney who this last year, I want to say she's well onto her second year mm-hmm. of opening her own firm and that work-life balance and we can all get very busy during this time. Yes. So we thought it would be a great episode to kind of drop again if you had missed it the first time around. And we really appreciated her making the time to come on mm-hmm. to our podcast, especially with how busy her life is with her daughter, Abby. So it was just one of our favorites that we wanted to share again. Yeah. So hopefully... And um, I think really relatable to, you know, a lot of families out there. So, you know, we hope you're enjoying this holiday season. And please make sure to check back with us at the start of the year. Obviously enjoy these repeated episodes, but um, we have some exciting content coming in the new year and some... Some, you know, new things that we're going to try to get under our belt um, in the new year. Yeah. So as always, you know, any topics that you wish for us to kind of go over that you've kind of been stewing over since when it has <laughs> happened, please just uh, go on the Facebook group or you could send us an, e- an email at info, I-N-F-O, at I-E-P, California.org. All right. We Stay will talk tuned. to you in the new year. We have Brooke Bove here from... Bove Law Group. She's going to tell you a little bit about what she does, but the reason why we wanted to have her on was because she is a boss babe who um, started her own law firm almost a year ago, and as a single mom, that had a lot to do with it, but uh, let me give it over to Brooke. Hi, Brooke. Thanks for coming on. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here and for your support. You guys have been a really big inspiration to me in my journey of going out on my own, so I'm really grateful for your friendship as well and for your guidance. Thank oh, you. Thank you. Right <laughs> Thanks. No, we appreciate your friendship too and collaboration. It's always good to have good people that you can really commiserate with sometimes and celebrate with. Well, that's very true. One of the things about leaving litigation practice, the law firm life to start my own practice is that now I I work, I'm very solitary a lot. I'm not around people. And the nature of my work is um, a writer. I write a lot of appeals. Um, I do law and motion work for attorneys. and I. But mostly I do appeals. And that's just really solitary. It's in libraries a lot. And it's in my little office a lot. And yeah. I'm alone. And so it's really nice to have people that I can see regularly, that I can talk with, that I can call. Get lunch. <laughs> right. Because you don't have that person like in the mm-hmm. office down the hall that you can just run down and chat with anymore. Right. Right. So, so it's almost been a year. 
It's been over a year. It's been over. June 1st last year was Oh, my gosh. Congrats. Yeah, Yeah, and I haven't been evicted or lost my car yet. So so I feel like I'm winning. And, I mean, as a single parent, right? So you have a daughter. I do. And she's she's five? She's five. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe that. She just lost uh, her third tooth the other day. I saw that. Oh she's a little negotiator too and so we were talking about role models right like she right. sees you negotiating being a boss lady I'm sure and just it's rubbed off on her uh, sure I'll take credit for her <laughs> <laughs> take, take it take it she's Seriously. um she doesn't get all her stubbornness from me but most of it yeah <laughs> <laughs> so what made you take that that leap into solo practice so well I mean, it was a, it was organic. It wasn't a thing that I planned for a long time, but it was something that's been building. So when you go, to, when I went to law school, I knew I wanted to be a litigator. I was a paralegal in litigation firms before law school. Oh, okay. And so I knew I was going to be a litigator. I wanted to represent injured people. I wanted to help them. And I wanted to help fight the man, the big insurance companies and those corporations yeah. that are always kind of like to stripping our freedoms and our, our ability to recover when something mm-hmm. bad happens to us, away mm-hmm. from us. So that's where I wanted to go. And like, when you do something like that, there's a path laid out for you. You have to join a, specific, a firm. It's really difficult. It's almost impossible to start out as a litigator on your own because, A, you don't really know what you're doing, and, B, it costs a lot of money to be a, that kind of attorney because you're it, on contingency fees. So you're yeah. going to be having a case for two or three years. It's a certain track, and there's a certain way to do it. Right. Yep. So unless you have a lot of money in mm-hmm. your pocket when you're starting out or a lot of business capital, like you can't, you just can't do it. So you have to start out usually working at a firm. And so that's what mm-hmm. I did. I got pregnant pretty soon after I became a lawyer. And I thought to myself, well, this isn't exactly what I planned, but that's okay. I'm going to roll with the punches. And I'm not going to be one of those moms that, that quits her job or mm-hmm. is like, well, now I'm just going to work part-time or, right. you know, because this is really important to me. I'm going to do yeah. this. This is my job. This you is went my, to law school. This is my you wrecked calling. up this day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you want, you want to set an example of being able to be super mom, right? Sure. That's the idea. Sure. I can do it all. Like I, listen, I went to law school. Like I can have a kid and a job at the same time. Like lots of people do that. Right. But as time goes on and your priorities change and you work another 80 hour week and you miss one more field trip and you miss things like that, like your priorities start changing and stopped caring what people in the legal community might think of me, like my peers, what what those other attorneys might think about me, because I always just, that was kind of my reason is I didn't want other attorneys to think that I wasn't as good of an attorney because I wasn't full-time or I wasn't putting in the hours. I wasn't, I stopped caring as much about that and caring more about what I was personally missing out on and what my daughter was missing out on by not having me around as much. Yeah, it's that just women get that double standard, right? It's like you're supposed to be the boss, babe, and then you're supposed to, you know, work 120 hours a week and then go home and have dinner ready for the husband, for the kids, and, you know, and be, and looking like a Kardashian or whatever. Like, it's just (laughs) dichotomy, right? It's it's the Marilyn Jacqueline, right? Marilyn Monroe versus Jackie O, right? Which has been embroiled into our minds. And as attorneys, we, we feel that a lot. And so I heard, like, so your priorities just shifted. It was just that type of track that you were on and most notably like the law firm that you were at. It just it, you couldn't sustain it both. True. And also my career priorities changed because after five or six years in litigation, I was worn out. Yeah. And I also started doing a lot. <laughs> so this also goes back to um, I got divorced. My daughter was only one when we physically separated. Mm-hmm. So that was also a big deal. Like that was also made it much harder to mm-hmm. do everything. But um, I, through the divorce, I did a lot of therapy, a lot of self-evaluation, and I just kind of got to this point where I was like, what 
why do I want to be a litigator? What am I? Right. What do I love about it? What do I not like about it? Mm-hmm. And I wrote a list, and it was like all the fun things about being a litigator mm-hmm. and all the things I hate. Yeah. And it was pretty even on each side. But then I was like, so well, how can I make my career priorities fit or my career fit in with the stuff that I like and yeah. try to shed the things that I don't like? And that's when I started thinking about starting my own practice. And that's important. I think that not enough people do that. I think a lot of people kind of get stuck in, well, I don't like these things about my life. Or I don't like these things about my job, but that's part of life or that's part of my job. And I think... One thing that Vicky and I found in doing the same thing and starting our own thing is that it actually doesn't have to be like that. You can have the majority of it be what you enjoy. You don't have to be stuck with because maybe if there's even though the things that you like or are good doesn't mean that the rest of it is. I'm not saying that life has to be perfect or that you're going to get everything to work, but at the end of the day, like there is the ability to make things better and you can have a life and a career that has more good things. You just have to sometimes think outside the box. Exactly. So I like writing. Mm-hmm. I like research. I like the academics of the law. I like I'm better at expressing myself in writing than I am in person. And so those things of taking a deposition, I don't love that confrontation and I don't love uh, that trial, the thing at this, it's the same thing when you're at trial. You just mm-hmm. have to, you know, I'm not comfortable being that lawyer that's like, well, isn't it true that trying to catch mm-hmm. people in lies or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, like that stuff's important and I understand right. its role in litigation and I actually really love watching other people do it, but I know that I'm not comfortable doing it. Mm-hmm. And so I want, how do I maintain that ability to work on high level cases and cases that are going to be groundbreaking and things that are actually going to affect people's ability to practice law and affect things larger scale and work and do important work, but only do the writing stuff. And that's kind of where the appellate practice. Yeah. As you're sitting there listening to things that you like and don't like about being a lawyer, I feel like you and I together would make a super lawyer because I'm the complete opposite. I feel like (laughs) I don't like the writing and research as much. And I am fine with like, you know, I, I think I express myself better verbally than I do in my writing. So if we were one yes. person, <laughs> I know that would be, but that's the thing is everybody has their strengths right. and yes. their things, you know, and yes. I, the more you people, don't have to be perfect at it at all. Exactly. And the more people that I talk to and work with as on my own, uh, the more I'm finding that out, you know, the people that I'm going to end up working with are the people like you, Amanda, who are a stronger personality in person and who are more comfortable with a confrontation or <laughs> are more organizationally set. So right. where they're, you know, they're like, they can manage a whole case. They can see big picture. Right. And I tend to get like tunnel vision and like focused on an issue. And I'm like, want to go down rabbit holes of mm-hmm, research. Right. And that doesn't really always lend itself right. to, well to like managing a, a big caseload or something like that. So, yeah. And I mean, I think you gave it a heck of a run with like improving your litigation skills and your debit. Like, I'm sure like the time that you spent doing all of that helped and reflects in your writing because it's easier for you to like look through transcript because appeals is all about like you're getting everything that happened prior and just reviewing it all and then seeing where you can not not necessarily the loopholes, but where you can use the law to say, oh, OK, well, this is what happened during this. And, da, 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 da. and like if you didn't have that experience, then you wouldn't have been able to have that show in your writing more. Right. That does. It gives me a spe- a, an insight that mm-hmm. I wouldn't have if I didn't have the litigation right. experience. Yeah. And so you're trying to rebuild your or not rebuild, but like build your practice to where you serve a purpose for attorneys that need someone to perfect that area and you're serving as almost like a a support system for that specific need, which you found what you're great at and in the terms of law. And I think just like with like kids, we often like go to the big picture of 
you have to be a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, right? We don't think about those niche professions. Right. We don't think about there's so many things that kids can do, but you have to figure out like what they're good at. And I think that that's right. kind of like exactly what you found is that when you think of being an attorney, usually and in school, we have classes that's transactional or litigation. There's no uh, either or. And like we find our practice is not categorizing either because we technically could be litigation, but we don't we're not actually in court. But we do a lot of negotiation. So it's like it's it's not like it's not doesn't fit that picture perfect mold of what an attorney is. And I think that's similar to like what you've kind of found, which is. It's great that you're like finding that and you're restructuring the way your career is because that's important. I think that's how you make yourself happier in what you're doing. That's true. And because now I'm on my own, I get to make my own schedule. Mm -hmm. So now if my daughter's school is closed for a day, no big deal. I can hang out with her during Mm -hmm. the day. I can work during her nap time. I can, that's planned ahead. I can, I can work late at night one night and can be flexible like that. I can, if she's got a field trip or if she gets sick and has to come home from school, it's not devastating to me. Like, I don't have deposition that I have to reschedule or, you know, things like that. Like, I just have to rearrange my work. Well, it's also like the people in the office, right? Like, you don't want to let them down. You're part of a team and you're like, ah, oh, my kid is sick. And like, if you would just verbalize that, I'm sure more than a majority of them would be like, go. But if you guys have a big deadline, just kind of like, can't somebody else handle that? You know, so I'm sure that that took a toll on you. Exactly. Yeah. Because you were like a good team member over at your prior firm. And uh, I know you were there for a lot of people. So I'm sure they miss you. (laughs) Well, uh, yeah. uh, And I do miss them. I actually still work with them pretty often. I technically am of counsel still at that firm. Oh, nice. I'm hardly ever actually in the office, but Mm -hmm. I do get projects from them pretty regularly. In fact, one appeal that I'm working on right now is for them. So, see, um, nice. so it's I was able to maintain that relationship and those friendships. But yeah, I'm not there on a daily basis, and I'm not someone they can, you know, that's there to fill in or you know mm-hmm. to do stuff like that for them, like in office. But and yeah, so I miss I do miss that camaraderie a lot because I really do like all of those people. Yeah. But I this is just so much better for me and my for my daughter, which is the most important thing. And I feel like even that just, you know, a lot happened in your life for you to like make these changes. But I'm like your attitude, just like obviously your shift in priorities and then just being a good role model for your daughter. (laughs) I'm sure we're all like things that helped you reach that decision because it's a big leap to just leave it all behind and then start your own thing. It is. Somebody said to me recently, like they would never have done what I did because like it takes away the security of their child for their child. Oh. And I I can see that. Yeah. But I also see that I also I guess I just have more of a risk taking kind of personality. Like I feel like what's the worst thing that happens is I have to go get a job at a firm again. Right. Well and isn't the there also the security of you doing this, there is security in that in the sense that if you are more satisfied and happier in the work that you're doing, you're more satisfied and happier in your life. You're not only a better role model for your daughter, but you're able to be there as a better mother for your daughter, too. So that a kind of security that's not financial, but it's important, too. Right. But there is also I mean, the first couple of years are always going to be rocky, but there is like that's in my control that everything yeah. that I need to do to make money to provide for my daughter is mm-hmm. in my control. Like it just comes down to uh, am I willing to do the work? Yeah. Am I you if you work for a large corporation, you get a salary and that's yeah. great, but you don't have control over what's happening at that company. You don't know if you're going to get laid off. Yeah, exactly. You don't know if the economy is going to what's yeah, going to happen, sure. or, you yeah. know. You just never yeah. know what's going to happen and so now it's in my control. Um again, what's the, the worst? I don't want my daughter to be afraid to take risks. Right. And I don't want her to be afraid of things or feel limited or feel held down. 
And I guess I don't really feel like my job was holding me down, but I felt like that career, that traditional career path was holding me down. Right. Because it was one track. Like it was like you couldn't be flexible in like changing that or like even like being able to like be like, hey, I have an idea. Why don't we do this? Because it's just like, no, we've always done it this way. This is the track you're on. Stay on this track. Stay in your lane, essentially. But now you have that flexibility. It's true. And then a wonderful thing has happened since then, too, because I've been more involved with her at school. Mm-hmm. I've made friends with a lot of the moms there. Mm-hmm. And my social and my professional network has expanded a lot based on it. I feel really blessed. Like, I miss that core group of people right. at an office every day. But I also feel like I've gained so much mm-hmm. more in return. And you said that you had joined a, a Facebook group, right? And you yeah. had a lot of benefit from that. Well, yeah, when you're a single mom and you don't have someone at home to talk to or to say, hey, I noticed my daughter was exhibiting this behavior or she this was happening to her and what do you think about it? Like, you don't have a person there to bounce ideas off of. So who, like, who are you going to turn to? And mm-hmm. you could call your mom, but, you know, your mom's going to give you a specific kind of advice. Right. And from 30 and, years ago. <laughs> and it's not terrible advice, but it's not, she's not experiencing it now right. and she's basing it off of memories or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so you could call your sister, but you just, it's better to have a group of moms who, a collective group mm-hmm. who ha- who can provide advice from all different mm-hmm. viewpoints and everything. This It's a private Facebook group, which is, I feel like the best thing thing about Facebook now is those private groups and kind of like your private Facebook group. Mm -hmm, It's mm -hmm. just, it's one of the best ways to use Facebook right now. In fact, I hardly ever am just go through my own feed. I just go on Facebook and I check out my my groups (laughs) and then, and that's it. And this group of moms, it's about 50 women from all over the country and we're all moms and we're all single moms and we're all attorneys. Wow. And Mm -hmm. so it's very specific and we all have a very specific thing in common, but we also are all very different. A lot of people have way worse situations with their exes than I do. Right. Some people have lost their husbands to death, mm-hmm. and so it's not always about divorce, but right. we're all still struggling to make a life for our kids and be attorneys and, and be the best that we can be all day, every day, and that's the most important thing. And we see a lot of parents that join these groups, and it completely changes their mentalities. Like a big one a lot of my clients are in are like the, there's like local ones too, like based on like specific cities, but for like dyslexia and like Amanda and I follow, you know, several like autism specific groups. And I even had a client and I can't even remember the type of syndrome that her child had, but it's just like 500 cases like throughout the nation. But she had found a Facebook group. And so I remember her telling me like, oh, some of the other moms, Emily, I'm just gonna make up the name. She's four years old and she's already riding a tricycle. And some of these moms are saying their kids never learn that. So then it's it's easy for them to be like, oh, wow, I gave her that early intervention and I can already see it. Or those parents are saying, my kid is 12 now. And like, you have to get speech and language going, you know, when they're two and a half years old, like just things that parent wouldn't otherwise know is what we find those groups as like a great resource for a lot of parents, especially to just bounce off ideas, even if they are intact, even if they are married, because for us, a lot of our clients, there is a high rate of divorce. And I used to do family law and we have a lot of crossover able to like give them referrals if, if they are in that situation. But we do see that a lot with our clients where, really? you know, they hit that wall sometimes. And, and it could be several other reasons. It doesn't necessarily have to mean because of the child with special needs. You know, there's so many reasons to get divorced, but we see that a lot. Yeah. I mean, I think we, we see, I mean, it, it takes a village, first of all, but yeah. then it's, a lot of our kiddos, there's a lot going on. And where we try to fit in is most of these parents are struggling with stuff that's going on at home 
But then the IEP process and all the special education, it's like so much. And if they have to navigate that process and they're constantly fighting, it's exhausting. I mean, it's exhausting and mentally draining for them. And then they're dealing with it on their own. And a lot of times it's one parent that's doing the majority of the IEP work. And, And then sometimes it becomes, they get tunnel vision on that because it's so important. And then... Sometimes it affects the other kids in the household and it affects the spouse. And and we see that a lot. And one thing that like I have I have seen so many times is like a parent will go through something like that and almost like think that they're alone or think that like their situation doesn't apply to someone else. And so oftentimes like we hear and I tell parents all the time, I go, I don't know how much comfort this is going to give you. It may not give you any, but you're not alone. And I've Mm -hmm. seen this situation Mm -hmm. and that's where like I think you're right these Facebook groups are such a great resource because it allows people because in your small community of like your neighborhood where you live or the school that your kid goes to you may not find another like for instance you may not find another single mom that's an attorney at that school right so location wise because we have technology like yeah there's so many things about technology that are starting to you know get overwhelming and bad about security and stuff but we should be using technology to our advantage to be able to find people who have our similar situation because, and I know we did therapy corner before and some people, Tia, I'm talking to you. We, we mentioned, you said you like therapy corner. One thing that I, I really do want to mention for all our listeners is like, you're not alone. And as much as we can provide support, we try to, but there's nothing like finding other people who are in your exact situation. Like we can empathize and we can be there for you, but we're not in your exact situation. So finding a parent group that really fits, I think, you know, whether it's in person or on Facebook, like it can be such a great tool. I agree. And it's good to get a collective group of voices coming at you. And so some person's going to say this worked for me and this didn't work for me. And another person's going to say, well, this worked for me, but it didn't work for you apparently, but it gives you ideas. And then you can take those ideas and you know how it's best for your kid or what's best for you in your situation. Right. And you could take all that and apply it in a way that makes sense to you. The other thing I was going to say is that we can't be afraid to talk about our problems. Right. Because we're all shy and we're all, you know, we don't want to be embarrassed or we don't want to admit that we're lost or we don't want to admit that we don't know what we're doing or we're confused or we... Or that we need help. Or that we need help. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing that hurts us the most. Um, As single moms, as attorneys, as whatever you are, if you are willing to kind of like lower that wall and just kind of say look, I am struggling here, help me, or tell me something that worked for you. Or if you just put it out there, I promise you it's all going to, it's going to come back. And other moms are going to be like, oh, I'm so glad that you spoke up and said something because I was feeling the same thing, but I was embarrassed. And so somebody has to be the brave person to start the conversation going. And once the conversation's going, that's when the healing and that's when the help Mm -hmm. really starts to kick in. Those Facebook groups are good for that. And the small, you don't want it to just be two or three people, but like sometimes there's like Facebook, like there's a, group for mom attorneys and it's nationwide and it's got like 10,000 people in it. Oh, wow. That's not, that's that's not overwhelming. Yeah. (laughs) That's not really a helpful group. Like Mm -hmm. it's good for broad picture stuff, but it's not good for like those. So you need a a little bit small, a more narrow group, but yeah, you can find them and it's really a good freeing place to put yourself out there. And it's a place to feel safe putting yourself out there because Mm -hmm. nobody's like looking at you or you can type while you're crying and you know, you know, like it's okay. Yeah. And you're always just going to get, Of course, there's going to be people who are not nice, but whatever. You just, again, you just have to take what's good for you and take what's and leave what else. And leave what else. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. 
We, therapy we've talked, over. I know. Therapy okay. over. <laughs> One thing we often ask guests is to just put them on the spot a little bit. And this can relate to, to work or something with your daughter, just something good that you've experienced either in a case that you tried or any of the um, cases that you've had this last year as a solo or just even something fun about your daughter. Because you have the funniest Facebook statuses like about <laughs> oh her. Gosh, She's you really like, do. A little well, she, negotiator. She's very smart. I mean, every mom thinks they're taught her <laughs> She is very smart. She surprises me all the time with the vocabulary she knows. Yeah. She started to ask me a lot lately what words mean, so she's really thinking about it. And one thing I noticed early on was that she was, like, if she was saying something and she knew she wasn't saying it quite right, she would stop and practice several times until she got it right, until she said mm-hmm. the word correctly. Oh, wow. And I always thought that was really interesting. Like, she was kind of a perfectionist, and you worry about, like, well, should I make her be less worried about this, right, but right. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, I think the most important thing is just to, I have a million stories of hers. Yeah, of like <laughs> that's I the post, problem. Yeah, that's the problem. Right? <laughs> so I don't really know one to pick, except that I get, she's with her dad half the time. Mm-hmm. So we have 50-50 custody. So those times when she's with me, like I just really have to focus on that's my time with her. And yeah. she's going to start kindergarten in the fall. I and know. Like, so crazy. And I cannot believe she's five I just she's want to like hug her all the time. Pers- I know. It's just like she's just a miniature person. Yeah. It's so funny. It cracks yeah, me up. she's great. She has made my life so much better than I thought it could be. That is not an easy thing for me to say because I had a pretty good life. Yeah. I also, I wasn't ready when I got pregnant. Like, it wasn't planned. And I wasn't sure how it was going to turn out or how I was going to be as a mom. I don't think I had that thing where, I mean, I was excited for her and happy to have her and everything. But, like, I was floating around and not real focused that first year. And it was because my marriage was falling apart, Mm -hmm. separate from her. And I was postpartum. And I was, and so to feel now where, like, this is the one thing that's in my life that's good and centered and is actually my real priority and all the time is it's a blessing and I feel really lucky. You're such like, a great mom. So it's like, yeah. it's, but it's nice to hear that. Right. And like you were saying to share that and like, I'm sure 90% of women felt that same exact way, but sure. nobody talks about it. Everybody's just posting the highlights. I had um, to fall in love with her. Yeah. And I have fallen in love with her. Aww, so yeah. That's and, so cute. But like also that. she is just so fun and I like having fun. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, And cool. I like having fun. So <laughs> so do we. So. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yay. Well, thank you so much, Brooke, for, for, for being me. so open and for being on our podcast. Uh, we really appreciate it. We will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.